When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bills Mafia, what is up? It is Wednesday, May 20th, and there is no live episode uh, of Bills Talk with Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot tonight because we had Chad Michael Murray on the show on Saturday night. So that's that's technically this week's live. We didn't want to leave you hanging too much. We got a bunch of stuff going on uh, on the podcast. Uh, If you haven't checked it out yet, go over and listen to yesterday's episode, if you dare. Uh, I, I had Adam Hill, uh, who covers the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal on the show, who used to be a diehard Bills fan, no longer is. He tells his story why, and I kind of give him a little grief for it. Uh, I think it's a fun conversation um, as we kind of wade our way through uh, the pandemic here. And uh, I have another big podcast coming out later this week with Marcel Louis Jacques uh, from ESPN. We actually went into. Um, our careers a little bit and how we got into the business and another uh, off the beaten path podcast as we uh, get through this off season. But right now, my man, Ryan Talbot and I are, are, are going to talk a little bit about uh, a few topics. And, and first of all, Ed Oliver uh, is up. And before we get into this, Ryan, how are you, my friend? How, how, yeah. How's uh, coronavirus quarantine treating you? Just trying to get through each day. I'm telling you, um, Kind of wearing that teacher cap for the two different kids here, much different age ranges, uh, fourth grade, second grade. So that's been interesting on a daily basis. Uh, you know, obviously the Bills content is going throughout the year. That's the beauty of what we cover, but th- that's always a good thing. But overall, I can't complain too much. How about you? <sighs> how many times have we tried to film this podcast in the last 24 <laughs> hours? That's how, my, that's how my time's going. Um, but no, it's great, man. I mean, listen, so much time with the family. I was playing football until the wee hours of the evening last night with my son. Uh, so much so we have like a little black um, NFL mini football. And we had to stop playing because you couldn't see the ball anymore at like about <laughs> 9, 10. Uh, and he was really mad about it. And my wife was mad at me for letting him stay up that late. But listen, you know, this, you know, I, we'll never have this opportunity again to have this kind of time with our family. So I think it's a, a cool cool time uh to take advantage of it now with that being said a lot of people have a lot of time to to do a lot of things these days and you know obviously last week was a a headline uh, making week for the nfl as four players uh were arrested uh one of them being buffalo bills defensive tackle ed oliver uh in houston montgomery county uh saturday night uh he was arrested and charged with um driving while intoxicated and on one charge of unlawfully carrying a weapon, he had a weapon in the car. Um, when deputies approached the car, he had a beer in between his legs and uh, seemed nervous, according to uh, police reports. Um, we've now, um, we're about four days out from this now, and each day uh, kind of a new layer has, has unfolded to this. Um, on Monday, it was reported uh, and New York Upstate also confirmed uh, via a source that uh, the Bills have introduced Ed Oliver right back into their virtual offseason program. Uh, he was released uh, early Sunday morning, I believe. 
Um, and he's going to, you know, obviously let the legal system play out, but the bills are treating it like they're going to kind of see how it plays out as well. And we're going to get into this whole topic, but let's start off with, um, and, and we'll get to what the report was yesterday as well, but just first and foremost, Ryan, when this happened, what was your immediate reaction? Well, you know, first and foremost, it's disappointing. I mean, this is a guy that the Bills invested heavily in last year, first round pick. They they obviously had big expectations for him, not only as a rookie, but going forward. Uh, but but at the same time, you know, this this is a young kid who made a mistake where, you know, we've seen this a lot. Um, thank goodness no one was actually hurt in this incident because uh, driving while intoxicated, that's obviously very dangerous. But uh, like like the Bills, you kind of have to let it all play out. It's okay to be disappointed after seeing what had happened. You just have to hope that it's a learning experience for this young kid because we're in this day and age of social media where things get out there so quickly. You know, one thing that stunned me was how quickly there was a video mm-hmm. uh, where 15, 20 years ago, you know, there, there's probably a lot that we didn't hear about NFL players and NFL teams that was that was kind of swept under the rug. And we're just in this day and age now where that's not a possibility. Definitely. And, you know, I think it's, you know, one of the big things that happened on Sunday once reports started coming out is, you know, you have the um, wide range of reactions, you know, by fans, because this is a serious thing. Like, don't let this get lost in any of this, you know, driving under the influence of, of, of alcohol. Listen, I, I know we could talk about it and sit here and say, hey, we've all done it. But that doesn't make it any less serious. And it's something that I think should be taken serious. And when, when you mentioned, you know, uh, Ed being a 22-year-old young kid and this being a learning experience, 100%. I mean, if I could go back to my, my, my late teens and my early 20s and talk about all the mistakes that I made, I mean, I could probably fill, uh, you know, a full-length article on Syracuse.com and NewYorkUpstate.com. But, you know, in terms of what this means right now, I think this is a chance for – it's an opportunity and I think it's an opportunity for Ed to grow, but I think it's also an opportunity for his teammates to embrace him. And one of the things that I noticed last year was Jerry Hughes kind of taking him under his wing in the off season, having him out in Houston, them working out together before the season. And then over the course of the season, listen, Ed's a, Ed's a funny cat, man. Like he's a really interesting dude. Like he kind of, he kind of vibes to the beat of his own drum, and, and I respect that. Um, but I think that this is a chance that maybe to integrate him a little bit more to the team. And again, this is just me talking from my observations. I can't sit here and say that Ed Oliver wasn't a part of the team. Of course, he was a big part of the team. And, you know, he has friends on the team and all that kind of stuff. But he, he just has a very kind of aloof personality from my perception. So I just think that this could be an opportunity where, okay, listen, Harrison Phillips, who missed most of the season while rehabbing, maybe he could reach out to Ed Oliver and say, hey, man, um, luckily this didn't end up any worse, but, you know, let's, let's hang out, let's talk, let's, let's, you know, get together. And, you know, I think that the, the reactions that some had that the Bills should cut Ed Oliver I thought was very much an overreaction. Um, the severity, as we noted, is severe, and it, this is serious. But I think this is an opportunity to teach more so than anything else. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And you're, you're right. Teammates can reach out. Coaches can reach out. This is a big opportunity for Ed to take a, a big step in maturity. And years from now, he can be that player that said, I made a mistake. And he can kind of help develop some of those younger players in Buffalo and say, 
don't put yourself in the situation I did. Because like you said, we could all fill up notebooks with things that we've done in the past, um, but it doesn't excuse the severity of what he did. But you can only hope that he takes this experience and he learns from it. So on Tuesday, um, KHOU11 in Houston reported that um, Ed Oliver admitted to taking Adderall prior to his arrest on Saturday. Uh, and in the NFL, uh, they also reported that uh, players have to be allowed to take Adderall. Uh, you know, uh, league approval is required for medical reasons. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but what were your uh, reactions to that? Yeah, like you said, it's another layer onto this story, you know, and, and I can't say that I know the effects of Adderall as just like mixed with mixed with alcohol, that is, and, and things of that nature. Uh, but you know, if he doesn't have the league's permission, that's another thing that we could be talking about here in the near future, but we don't know that. So it, like you said, another layer onto this story every day, there's something a little bit different out there. Uh, we kind of have to let it all play out. Obviously he he'll have an attorney that will deal with these charges and we'll have to kind of wait and see where, what the end result is there in terms of a legal standpoint. And then from the league standpoint, yeah, so uh, last year, um, when this first happened, we put out a story on New York Upstate, and uh, you know the, the closest um, example to kind of use was Chris Herndon from the New York Jets, who was in a, a wreck, actually, while driving under the influence uh, back in 2018. He ended up with a four-game suspension, and at the time, um, it was reported that the, the minimum would be a two-game suspension. But it looks like with the updated collective bargain agreement, that minimum is now three games. So Ed Oliver could potentially, when this happens, be looking at a three-game suspension at the least. Now, you know, nobody was hurt. There was no property damage. So my first inclination is, yeah, maybe this is the lower end of the spectrum. But, you know, the gun being a part of things that that definitely becomes more of a uh, a talking point but as of right now these are two misdemeanor charges and in texas class b misdemeanors which both of these charges are listed or uh were reported to be are uh, mid-range misdemeanors um a conviction carries up to 100 days 180 days in county jail and could be a fine of up to two thousand dollars uh, so the, you know, you got to kind of let this play out. And that's a big piece of this is that we may not see an end result of this or a, a penalty handed out from the league until 2021. So this could not even be in play in 2020. Yeah, I agree completely, especially with everything going on with COVID-19. Now, who knows if there's going to be a court date in the near future. Uh, I'm not sure how many cases they're seeing or what they're doing or how they're handling that. Uh, so you're right. It, it may not even be a 2020 issue. It could be a 2021. Um, you know, from a team standpoint, the Bills are actually pretty well loaded up at the defensive tackle position. You have a guy like Quentin Jefferson who play inside outside. Uh, they, they brought in Vernon Butler. You mentioned Harrison Phillips, Starla Tulele, uh, even uh, Vincent Taylor, you know, obviously different different positions at defensive tackle. But if it is something this year that they have some depth there, they have some talent to kind of um, – to wait it out in terms of that suspension but who knows when it's going to take place and like you said it could be one game could be three obviously if it's that higher end Oliver can appeal it and it could get reduced so there's a lot up in the air with this situation mm -hmm. the uh the Buffalo News reported that initial court date is expected to be assigned later this week um 
And so we'll probably find out the next step sometime before the end of this week. Um, but to your point about what the Bills have done on their roster, you know, as much as it's been important to build the culture and, and so that you have the kind of leadership in place to withstand situations like this or, or personalities that you bring into your room, um, you know, the roster building that Brandon Bean has done has guarded against situations like this by building things the way that they have, it makes the loss of one player here or there, whether it be, you know, uh, an off the field issue, an injury, uh, any of these kind of factors, you have people that can take, uh, that, that can be in place that can help you, help you out. And I think one of the cool things about what they've done with this defensive line is like you mentioned the versatility of guys like Jefferson and Epineza who could kind of play on the outside and the inside, the depth at defensive tackle. I mean, Harrison Phillips is going to probably need some time, but you're probably not looking at this suspension taking place in the first half of the season. I mean, at the earliest, probably later on in the season, uh, if, if Hernan's case is anything to kind of go off of. So um, I think that'll give Harrison Phillips time to get back. You have uh, the depth of, you know, and a lot of people talk about why, and we talked to Lorenzo Alexander about this on the podcast with him, why Trent Murphy's still on this roster. And obviously Lorenzo gave a lot of reasons why his production and his play is a big reason why, but also you need depth at these positions. And this is a big reason why. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, between Oliver, depending on when that could happen between uh, Harrison Phillips, maybe having to start the season on pup, you know, you don't know where that's going to be that could actually free up that extra position for Murphy to, to stick on that roster early on in the year there, you know, uh, like, like you mentioned, a lot of fans want him off the roster for whatever reason, but you don't just get rid of a player like that, especially one that had four sacks in the last two games, counting the playoff game um, between the Jets game and the Houston game. You don't just get rid of a guy like that. Now, if he's clearly outplayed by some of these other guys on the roster, including a young player like a Daryl Johnson, and he is a low man on the totem pole, by all means, do it. Save that cap space. But you don't just get rid of someone to get rid of them in this league. 100%. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll actually have this cover more as we move along in the process. Uh, keep it locked on nyupinsyracuse.com always for, for updates. Um, but I think that I want to transition now to uh, what's going on in Western New York this week. And, and big news was made on Monday that – you know, the, all seven um, boxes were checked and the, 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 fra the phase process was allowed to begin and uh, Western New York, Erie County opened uh, in phase one on Tuesday. And I, it got everybody excited on Monday. I mean, everybody was like, you know, let's go. Let's, uh, you know, Andrew Cuomo, the governor, was talking a lot about the Buffalo Bills and, and, and pro sports in general. And, you know, a lot of jokes have been made this week. If Is Andrew Cuomo really a Bills fan? And, uh, some people pontificating that maybe it has a little bit to do with uh, uh, political reasons, but you know, that's neither here nor there. The bills are the only true New York team. If we're going to get down to brass tacks, but um, you know, he's encouraging professional sports to start planning uh, to return. And, you know, even in a scenario where there are no fans, uh, if that's the situation, it can be done, especially for some of the leagues like the NFL where they're, they're so reliant on the TV contracts. And, you know, I put out a story yesterday that, you know, the, the, the NFL, uh, half of its revenue, over 50% almost, is um, uh, from TV money. So, you know, that's something to consider as you get into these situations of trying to plan for the season. But as of right now, we are looking at June 30th 
as the earliest date that the facility can be open for players and coaches. So what happens is there's a four-phase process. Phase one began yesterday, Tuesday, May 19th, and each phase is required a minimum of two weeks, uh, and they'll check how, th- how things are progressing and whether or not the government will okay the advancement to the next stage. And so the earliest the date will be June 30th, and that's interesting because that's little less than a month from when training camp will start. So uh, I think this is, this is progressing um, positively. Um, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, right now, it's it's on a positive note, but people have to be smart now. I mean, this is the big thing. It doesn't mean that this pandemic's over by any means. It doesn't mean that we, we stop the social distancing, everything else. So as long as people are smart about this, you're right. By the end of June, we could be talking about the facility being open. We could talk about players coming in. Uh, we can talk about what training camp would look like, which, you know, I think it's going to look a lot different this year than what it would in years past in terms of where it's held, how it's held etc. But you're right. It's a step in the right direction. Uh, it's a positive step for the league. Even if, like you said, if there's no fans in attendance, so be it. The Bills, uh, there's an article saying the Bills would lose about $100 million in revenue from fans if they don't have people in attendance. But at the same time, with that TV contract, this league would be A-OK. There'd still be plenty of money to go around. Um, so step in the right direction, but obviously still a long ways to go. I really like your setup because when you're talking, it you're like literally looking right into my eyes. Like it's crazy. <laughs> like, and, and and I don't know if that's right now. You're looking at me, right? Because I always feel yeah. like I'm like looking down in these and in, in when we record these Zoom calls. But you're always like it looks like per, so technology technologically speaking. Kudos to you, my friend. Hey, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so I think you you brought up a good point there, and let's talk a little bit about that you know, their training camp is going to look a lot different this year. And I don't see a scenario where they can go to St. John Fisher and do it the way that they've done it in the past, because, you know, the social distancing measures will likely still be in effect. Um, Maybe. And and the way they do training camp and the reason why it's so cool is the kind of all the extracurricular stuff they do, you know, the ability to meet the players and, you know, uh, take pictures and sign, get autographs, those kind of interactions, you know, won't be possible right now. And, and so, you know, I probably see it a scenario where training camp is held in Orchard Park at the facility, which is honestly, other piece of this thing is, man, could that set up the long-term future for the organization where training camp shifts there permanently? Because that's something that people have been talking about for years now. And something that I think a lot of fans have feared. I'm a big proponent for the for camp being out in Rochester. I think it helps uh, touch that that sector of the fan base, and it's a great time. Like you know, we we uh, it was great to hang out with you there last year. They they set up the campus for it. It's a fun time. I got to sleep on a dorm room uh, uh, cot for for a couple of weeks, but hey, it's worth it because it's a good, it's a cool experience, and it's one of the you know really down to earth pieces of the NFL that still exists. Yeah, you know, I don't want to bring the fans in Rochester down too much, but I, I agree with you completely. I don't see a scenario where it's there this year. And like you said, this could be their, their out, so to speak, where let's just say everything goes well for the Bills this season. They win the division. You know, Sean McDermott could say, you know, a big part of that was that we were in our own facility for training camp. We had all the 
uh, all the devices that we needed right here. We we're able to take care of any players that were, were banged up or nicked up at practice with our great facilities. And going forward, we think that this is going to be our answer. I unfortunately think that's the direction that they're going. I think that's the direction that a lot of teams are going in this league where you go away from these, getting away from your facilities. And in that regard, I did like from the team bonding situation uh, where you're at a campus, it's a lot different than what it is in, in the NFL life during the regular season. But truth be told, I, I just could see this scenario being the, the Bills uh, getting an out from St. John Fisher. Now, maybe they do the right thing when this is all over. Maybe they go back for one last hurrah there because this season was kind of ripped away from them. But long term, I, I could see this playing out with the, the Bills staying right there in western New York. You know, looking at the season and what it potentially could look like, you know, if there is a scenario where we get to a point where you can start to fill stadiums with, you know, a percentage or even to the, you know, perfect situation where you can fill a stadium again, where do you kind of land on maybe going to a game in a mask? Because, listen, I think football games are actually better positioned than most sports because a lot of people get dressed up and do goofy stuff anyway uh in, in the stands but i think that to be able to have a stadium filled again this season i think would probably require some type of mandate to have masks oh 100 percent. but then it's going to come down to how are how are the teams going to police the fans tailgating before a game because you know when you're tailgating i don't think a lot of them are going to be wearing masks and, and there's something to be said about you being there with your, your family in a tailgate, but a lot of the times it's not just family, it's friends from other places coming in and getting together. And then you're risking the spread of it all over again. So do you please something where, and can you enforce a no tailgating policy? Cause there's all those off field lots. Um, it, there's just so many questions. That I don't know if it's possible to do fans this year. I would love to see there be like a, a scenario where, season ticket holders get told you're coming to these two games um you, you know we're going to spread it out where a certain percentage of fans can sit in each section each week so that way there is some fan base there um each you know each person would get about two games per season and maybe you're comp for those other six games toward next season season tickets I think that's maybe a, a good way to do it but there's so many outside factors where when you're letting these fans in the stadium even if it's on a smaller scale you're still risking a spread or an outbreak again. And then you're kind of setting yourself back. So even though at one point I thought there could be a certain percentage, I'm starting to think that no fans in 2020 is the way to go. Wow. It's amazing to think about what that will look like because what that will feel like, because I feel like the NFL and I've mentioned this on a, on a couple different platforms that, you know, the UFC obviously came back and it, it was almost like, you know, nothing different for most fight fans who are used to watching the Ultimate Fighter or Dana's Contender Series. They do that in the tough gym where there's, there's no fans to begin with. So that wasn't as abrupt of an experience. This, I think, you know, NFL football without fans, even, on the, 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 even the TV experience, I think will be vastly different. Now, we'll get used to it. I mean, I've watched a couple of arena games or CFL games over the years that felt like there was no fans there, but you know, so I think that, you know, it's, it's possible. And the NFL is so important, you know, in, in the, in the country, in terms of the sports landscape that anything to get it done 
needs to be done. I've, I've, I've maintained that. Um, man, it, it's going to be tough to do it without, without fans. It's going to feel weird. It's going to feel, um, I don't know. I, I, I it's hard to envision its existence, if that makes sense. It is. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw something else out. It's not an actual sport, but pro wrestling. My son is obsessed with WWE wrestling. It counts. So I wa- it counts. I, I, I watch it with them all the time, and they don't have fans in attendance. And it's bizarre. You still have the, the wrestlers pandering to an empty crowd. So I don't know what they're really doing there. It just changes everything. And I think it changes it from, from the NFL perspective, too. It'll be bizarre to watch. Uh, I've seen some leagues saying for $20, you can get like a cardboard cut out of yourself, put it in the stadium. And I don't know if it's for like a season or what. I think that'd be kind of an interesting or fun thing to do to, to kind of pay money towards that. I think a lot of fans would get into it, but from the actual atmosphere, you know, maybe it doesn't affect Buffalo because I, I think Buffalo has outstanding fans, but look at a team like Seattle and Kansas city where the decibel level gets beyond uh, it's pretty out of control there. They're not going to have that to their advantage this year. Now, Seattle and Kansas City have two of the better, better rosters in the NFL, so I think they'll be A-OK. But there's something to be said about th- that atmosphere with teams coming in on the road where you might see a lot more road teams uh, or teams winning on the road this season than in years past because they don't have to worry about that crowd noise. Does the NFL allow you to maybe play music then or, or pump noise in? Who knows? Those are some of the decisions that they're going to have to make as, as the year progresses. Uh, or, or as we get closer to the regular season, hopefully, but it's going to be a lot different, like you said. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, the hope of all hopes is that by some minor miracle, uh, a vaccine is realized here in the next couple months, and they're able to administer it uh, pretty widely in, in the country and around the world, and that gets you know stadiums filled back up and. Uh, you know, you keep your fingers crossed. It would be an unbelievable accomplishment of modern medicine. I mean, if you think about even going back a couple of decades to the AIDS pandemic and, and how long it took to find, you know, medicines to, uh, you know, curb the impact of the disease, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy time to be alive. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this, you walking through a supermarket right now, and I've had to do all the shopping because I just don't, I don't want my wife to go um, and, and risk it. And walking through the aisles of Wegmans is, I mean, it's almost like you got to kind of pinch yourself at half the time when you're just, it looks like you're in a, in a scene from a movie. Yeah. It's, it's almost like those times where, you know, for me, when, when Joelle was, uh, my wife was, was pregnant, maybe I'd have to make like a late night run to Walmart or super Walmart. And then, yeah, you're right. You're like, it's you and the workers stocking the shelves in the store. It's kind of nice. Right, right. But to go in the middle of the day or on a Saturday where I would avoid those stores by all costs, you can go in and it's just like, man, this is weird. It feels odd. It's it's so different. But, you know, it, it is the year 2020. Maybe they can get these trial tests done in a timelier manner than what's happened in, in the past. And Hopefully, if that is the case, they can also supply it in, uh, you know, in bulk. So that way, you're right. People can get the, the vaccine in uh, a timely manner. So that way, by the fall, you could be talking about fans being in stadiums. You can talk about kids being back in school. Uh, you can talk about people being back to work, which I think is, are all things that people are, are ready for here uh, sooner rather than later. 
Yes, we will. Uh, we'll track all this and we'll talk about it over the course of the summer. I mean, uh, things will be will crystallize as we move through June and July, closer to the start of the NFL season. And I think at the end of the day, going through this process, talking about it all here, um, just like fans, I, I just want a season. I just want I want something you know for everybody to do because we saw, you know, the UFC or WWE or the Michael Jordan documentary or even you know Bundesliga coming back uh, in pro soccer uh, over the weekend. You know, sports bring people together, man. And this is a time where we know we need to be together. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I'm with you 100%. Let's, let's get this thing going, even if it means no fans. Um, but we'll have, more, we'll have more on this throughout the summer. And, hey, if you guys have anything that you want us to cover on a podcast, talk about on a podcast, hit us up. Ryan and, my, and I's DMs are, are always open. Uh, we love talking to you guys about it. And uh, make sure uh, you subscribe you rate and then you write a little review because that really helps us out. Um, and uh, we really enjoy doing the podcast. It's a fun new platform to reach everybody. Uh, and the support has been awesome. Uh, so thank you to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, just getting a little comments here and there from different fans after a podcast. It, it's, it's encouraging. It's nice. It's nice to know that they're listening and they're enjoying what, uh, you know, you have really put together for us. So, you know, big kudos to you on that. Yeah, well, I think the most kudos on this show goes to that goatee because it's legendary. I think that you could be an 80s heavyweight championship wrestler. I, I think Hulk Hogan wouldn't even be a thing if that goatee showed up. If I shave that part and go there you to go. the handlebar. Yeah, there you maybe. go. Bring it. All right, guys, that's Bill's Talk with Matt Perino. He is Ryan Talbot. Uh, this has been awesome. Sus subscribe, like we said, and follow all of our work always at Syracuse and NYUp.com.